We are very excited to see Justin Herbert in his new offense, but David, has the Kellen Moore hype train gone too far? You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. We've been covering the Chargers together now for seven seasons, but this is our fifth season as a host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen as always, and to make sure you never miss the show, go subscribe or follow for free on the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and also listen to the show wherever you get your podcast from. David, what do we got today? Today we are doing a mailbag show, so that means we are taking the show directly to you and your questions, and we're going to start things off with, is there too much hype around the Kellen Moore hire, and will the Chargers be able to avoid a slow start with them having to learn a new offense, and what is more likely, Justin Herbert earning MVP or Quentin Johnston Rookie of the Year? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think that one has a pretty definitive answer. But I do want to start with a great question that we got from a very frequent question asker, definite everydayer, Lewis Benzman, who asked, were we this high on Joe Lombardi a couple of years ago? I feel like we were. And it's a great question because I think you're always inclined to be excited about the new hire. You always want things to, you know, you want to believe the best in things and the Chargers are making the right decisions, even if you're questionable, you know, of the decisions they end up making. But... I don't think that the hype has gone too far around Kellen Moore, but I also think, David, that I am much more excited this time around. Maybe last time we thought we talked ourselves into, you know, Joe Lombardi being Sean Payton, right? And just wanted to hope for the best, wanted to write off what happened in Detroit. But, like, to me, I, there's much more hype surrounding Kellen Moore than there was with Joe Lombardi. Yeah, for sure. I think it is very true that I think we talked ourselves into thinking that it was a good hire with Joe Lombardi. I thought, you know, we were just like, okay, you know, this is who they went with. We're going to find reasons to be excited. But I think when you look at Joe Lombardi, uh, especially, you know, with his first stint as an offensive coordinator with the Detroit Lions, things did not go well. And, and remember, you know, that th that was him, his team ranking 30th in points per game. And he had Matthew Stafford, our quarterback. Uh, and by the way, he had Calvin Johnson, Hall of Fame wide receiver, yeah. uh, also had Golden Tate and Eric Ebron, and, and they did not produce very well at all. So red flag number one, very, very bright, did not do well as his first stint as an offensive coordinator. And then number two, Daniel, is this was not Brandon Staley's first choice as offensive coordinator. This is more like his third choice, and it kind of feels like a little bit, especially with the you know the benefit of hindsight, that the Chargers might have settled a little bit for Joe Lombardi in that moment. They did, because he was not their first choice, right? They tried to go after Mike McDaniel, who was with San Francisco at the time, is now the Dolphins head coach, and he got blocked. And they tried to go for Kevin O'Connell, who's the new Vikings coach as of last year, and he got blocked as well. I mean, both of those guys were way higher on the list of guys that we would have went after. But there was a connection between Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi, and you don't want guys just hiring their friends, obviously. But I do think that, you know, credit where credit is due. He also had to fire his mentor, right? He had to fire yeah. his former college coach when he got rid of Joe Lombardi and, I mean, did what he had to do. I mean, you weren't going to fire him after 2021 when the offense was really, really good. Yeah. It underperformed, and he made a change. But I just think this is totally different because I, you have – 
a bigger sample size with Kellen Moore actually being an offensive coordinator, right? He was top five offensive coordinator in Dallas in his four years there. Yeah. But also the fact is like Kellen Moore did it with or under Jason Garrett and also did it under Mike McCarthy and had top five offenses under both of those head coaches, right? Both who have, you know, offensive backgrounds for sure. And yeah. neither one of those guys I really truly respect as an offensive genius. So no. maybe somewhat in spite of those guys, right? Sure. Not only did he do it with Dak, right? He did it with Cooper Rush. So, yeah. like, we've just seen him time and time again have to adapt to different wide receiving cores because, you know, Mari Cooper gets traded in different offensive lines because the offensive line was super banged up for some of those games. So, like, that's what I think makes me think that we're not overselling the Kellen Moore hire. But the other part of it is, David, is, like, I think it's also Kellen Moore in conjunction with other things. It's Kellen Moore in conjunction with getting Rashawn Slater back. It's Kellen yeah. Moore in conjunction, right, with adding Quentin Johnston and, and having an offensive line you feel really good about, getting yes. Galen Guyton back in the fold, more speed in yeah. general. So, like, I think it's all those things coming together. But I, I don't feel like we've overhyped it too much. No, not at all. I mean, I think there's legitimate reasons to be excited about the Kellen Moore hire. And I think the f first and foremost point is track record of success. Like, I mean, yeah. like you mentioned, like he has done it at a high level and there is tangible results. And it's not just him being a great offensive coordinator throwing the football. He also yeah. ran the ball at an extremely high level. And also uh, one thing uh, about the red zone, the Chargers were really bad. They were 18th in red zone scoring percentage. Dallas was number one in red zone touchdown scoring percentage. So a lot of the things that the Chargers had trouble with, Kellen Moore has tangible results that indicate yeah. that he can replicate that type of success. So I think there's a lot of reasons to be very excited about Kellen Moore being the Chargers offensive coordinator and getting to pair up with Justin Herbert, who is the most talented quarterback that he's got to got got to, uh, you know, yeah, be, be with, the one course. that's running his be offense. Paired up with. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, it is. And that's with that. Right. I mean, that's yeah. saying something. And that's just how good Justin Herbert has been over his first three seasons. But yeah, I think the other thing about that is this. Joe Lombardi was never calling plays for the New Orleans Saints, right? Like, the right. only time that we saw him calling plays was under Jim Caldwell in Detroit, and it was a disaster. Yes. We might have tried to sweep that on the rug a little bit. Maybe sure just did. try to, you know, <laughs> explain it away. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, like, I remember Joe Lombardi wasn't near the top of my list as far yeah, as Yeah, I think we were pretty lines. lukewarm about it, honestly, if my memory sure. serves. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm sure we probably found a way to get ourselves excited about of course. it. But I just think it's just it's in a different level, you know, yeah. with Kellen Moore, especially with the recent piece. I think it was Lindsey Theory that put that out. Who yeah. was that? Yeah, that put that Or, no, Albert Breer, Bleach Report. Albert Breer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just put out a great piece about Kellen Moore and Brandon Staley and the unlikely pairing and all yeah, those and how things. that relationship got started. And, and it how was it really, started. Really organic. Like this, totally. Like, these dudes get it on a different level, you yeah. know, and the Chargers moved quickly to make this happen. He was their yeah, I mean, absolute let's, let's, first option for this, for sure. Let's not forget that Kellen Moore was not a guy that anybody was expecting to be available. Like, it's not yeah. like, you know, they fired Kellen Moore. It was kind of more like they had some different offensive philosophies and they kind of sure. mutually agreed to, agreed to part ways. And yeah. I mean, yeah, like, th that might be corporate speak. Uh, you know, if, no, if you I mean, there were it, some but... mumblings, you know, there were rumblings out there, but it's not like this dude got bounced out in the first round of the playoffs either. Right. right. Yeah. It ended poorly for them, yeah. but like. They absolutely demolished the team they played in the first round and then got beat, you know, with the Ezekiel Elliott weirdo play at the end of the game. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, but, like, I don't know. I, I believe in Kellen Moore. I think him yeah, they combined really with what the Chargers, you know, 
have going for them already offensively. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is a match made in heaven, something Definitely. that doesn't come along very often. You don't get top five offensive coordinators who are yeah, just they don't like, just oh. fall out of the sky. Well, the other thing yeah. is too is like it's oh, he's always been the one calling the plays, right? Yeah. Like it's always been really his offense, maybe yeah. with some adjustments and things like that. But it's always just been love his adaptability, man. It's just ability to to really figure things out under pressure. Like it, it's fantastic, and I can't wait to see that translate to the Chargers. Yeah, when we talked before about, you know, not just red zone scoring, but third quarter scoring, being yeah. able to make the adjustments, all of those yeah. things. So let's get to POG here really quick, who asked, considering Mike McCarthy's quotes on Kellen Moore leaving Dallas, said the defense needs to rest more. I maintain that playing with the lead is the best thing for Staley's type of defense. Thoughts on the risk reward for the Bulls defense that was already on the field too much. Maybe on the field too much. To me, I'm thinking about the offense first. Give me a guy who can go and score points as long as it's not like Chip Kelly, and then I'll worry about the other part later. Yeah, I mean, hey, this is an offensive coordinator that wants to run up the scoreboard, okay? He wants to light it up. He wants there to be a gigantic gap, gap and I'm all for that. And, of yeah. course, every single defense is better when you are playing with a lead because then you take away the running game, which has been the biggest Achilles heel for the Chargers defense. So if that threat goes away, they're much better at defending the pass. And so, yeah, you would be leaning to their strengths. Yeah, and, I mean, he also said, Mike McCarthy, that is, that, you know, he didn't like Kellen Moore running up the score yeah. on people. And it's like, okay, if you're Which the Chargers, crazy. you need to run up the score and put teams away yes. every single time because you've every learned time. that you can't trust it, you know, without that. But I also think that, like, three and outs were not a big problem for the Dallas Cowboys, right? If that was super high, I mean, you you could probably say, okay, maybe you're tying your defense up. But, like, the Chargers played better with tempo last year. They just yeah. didn't use it enough. So, like, I'm I that's agree. one of the parts of the game. I'm looking forward to more, not worried about a defense that struggled even, you know, when they weren't on the field too much. And Joe Lombardi's offense went three and out a lot, especially in the second half last year. But I think it is worthy of a question of whether this offense could start slow because of the new offense. And we're also going to get into Justin Herbert and if he will win MVP or if it's more likely that Quentin Johnston can win Rookie of the Year coming up right after this. I do need to tell you guys first about FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the Locked On Chargers podcast. Baseball is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On to join today. As long as you're not betting anything regarding the Padres, you are going to give yourself a good chance. But they have a ton of parlays that you can do with FanDuel, a lot of great ways that they're already building up good bets for you guys to pick and just having entertaining ways and good promotions going on all the time. Like Shohei Otani winning AL Cy Young and the MVP award, and it's always fast and easy to use on a safe and secure app that pays you instantly. So don't miss out on your chance to snag that no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official betting sponsor of Major League Baseball. Continuing this Chargers mailbag, I mean, we had so many great questions that we have to open up things a little bit, and we have some more questions that we're going to have to get into on tomorrow's show because you guys really showed out. And thank you to everyone who hit us up at Locked On LAC for giving us your questions today and for calling into the voicemail line at 323-524-7924. You leave a 30-second voicemail, there's a good chance you can be next to a tier who has our first question, and he's asking and kind of predicting Something that could happen in week one with the Chargers potentially starting slow because they have a new offensive coordinator. Dan, David, this is a deal. Love you, my boy. Mr. Wade, the headline for Sunday week one, offense struggle, defense close out the game, both survive 24-20 versus the Dolphins. Do you think I'm crazy? 
because we don't play in a preseason game. Please, let me know. It's here. I mean, there's been times I thought you were crazy, but, like, that doesn't surprise me a ton. I mean, obviously, I think you started with, hey, the Chargers put up one of their best defensive performances last year against the Miami Dolphins and put an end to the two-row versus Justin Herbert debate, right, almost single-handedly oh, yeah. with that game. Oh, yeah. Seemingly, right? It's not that oh, simple, yeah. but it felt like it in that moment, for was sure. Was he, like, three for 21 at halftime or something like that? Yeah, I know for sure he was, like, three for 15, three for 18. Yeah. It was It was a really, really bad game, but... I do think that this is kind of symbolic of a bigger question, which is just could the Chargers offense start slow because they have a brand new offense. And also, as a tier rightfully points out, you're not going to see Justin Herbert in the preseason. Like maybe, no, there's no way. I mean, if you didn't do it the first year with Joe Lombardi, you're not going to do it, you know, in year four with Kellen Moore. So like, I just think that there's no chance. I mean, maybe, you know, had you seen Justin Herbert and the shoulder injury, right? Take a little longer if he couldn't throw. But as of right now, it looks like he's ramping up for a very full training camp where he should get everything he needs. And he's also Justin freaking Herbert. I saw the dude come in 10 minutes before he, you know, a game started, and they told me he was starting. And after went crazy. Tyrod Taylor, all the first team reps, because Justin Herbert was a backup for a reason. And uh-huh. then he took, you know, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, the reigning MVP, you know. And to the absolute limit. To yes. the limit. And, I mean, Anthony Wynn probably lost in that game when he didn't go sure for did. it. Fourth and one in overtime. You know, too many. Yep. Yeah, so, like, but the thing is, too, not everyone's Justin Herbert, right? Like, that's another big part of it. But I do think kind of the defensive talk we were talking about before, David, kind of kicks in here, too. Every day there's no continuity, right? Yeah. Maybe one new starter on offense. It's basically Quentin Johnston, and that's it. Yeah. So, like, I do think even though it's a new offense, you have a lot of the same guys who know what they do well. You have the chemistry between Justin Herbert and all the non-Quentin Johnston, Darius Davis receivers. I think that helps a lot. And that was one of the, going to be one of the big points that I was going to bring up is that you have a lot of the guys that have been in this offensive system. And, yeah, things are going to change a little bit. But Kellen Moore is going to keep a lot of, of those things that worked last year. And then he's going to just infuse and in, introduce some of those concepts from Dallas that he also had some success with. And also, let's not forget, Justin Herbert's done this a lot. He has switched yeah. offenses and switched offensive coordinators almost every single year, except for the last two years yeah, that he has seven played. or eight since his first year in college. Right? Yes, exactly. Like, so he has a lot of experience learning new offenses. And let's not forget all, as well. This is an academic Heisman. So he's incredibly intelligent. I'm not really worried about his ability to pick up the offense. I think he and, and Kellen Moore will be humming from the start. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it goes deeper than that, right? Because not everyone's Justin Herbert, like I was saying. Yeah. So, like, you have to hope that the offensive line, while they're trying to create their own chemistry, are also getting this new verbiage down, right? Sure. Figuring everything out from a schematic standpoint. Yeah. I know that the receivers know where they're going. Like Austin Eckler talked about in his last press conference. Like, I think this is, like, the fourth different way I've learned to call the same route that I'm running, right? Just yeah. because the things have been changed up so many times. But, like sure. – I think it's fair. Like, yeah, this offense could take a little bit. I think there could be some signs early on. I'm not too worried about it, and I'm excited for the difference, and I think it out, you know, weighs everything else. But I also yeah. hope that Brian Stewart doesn't think he's going to get away with necessarily the same game plan against Miami this time, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he's got to know that he's got to switch it up a little you bit. You have right? to hope so. But yeah. obviously, that game plan was pretty good. So hopefully, it was a lot pretty of that. immaculate. Yes, let's it was. get to Colby Talbert, another everydayer frequent question asker good question asker which is important as well right is it more likely that justin herbert wins mvp or quentin johnston wins offensive rookie of the year david you go 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. This might uh, this might surprise a, a few people, but I feel like the Rookie of the Year award is going to be a little bit more difficult for Q, for Quentin Johnston to achieve just because of the competitive individual nature of that award. And I think Justin Herbert has a lot and a deep bag of weapons at his disposal. He has what looks to be a very young and very dominant offensive line, and he has an offensive coordinator now that should put him in a lot of positions to push the ball down the football field. So I feel like this is kind of the perfect storm for Justin Herbert to potentially unseat Patrick Mahomes and be your NFL MVP. Well, and I mean, you don't even have to predict him to be MVP, right? It's just about which one's more likely. And I think it's pretty easy that the most likely outcome is Justin Herbert MVP. And I honestly don't think it's that close. And I'll tell you why. We know Justin Herbert's great. <laughs> yes. We know the dude's elite already. We don't You're know right. what Quentin Johnson is at this point. And he's right. going to be compared, you know, against all the other rookies. So in that yeah. aspect, he, you know, obviously that helps him. But at the same time, Justin Herbert is playing the position that is more likely to win both of those awards. Yeah, right? exactly. MVP and Offensive Rookie of the Year. If Bryce Young goes out and has a good season, like that's going to pretty much nuke anything that Quentin Johnson does. 100%. Yeah. Right. Just like Justin Herbert. When he won MVP, to Justin, Justin Jefferson. Jefferson had fourteen hundred freaking yards. Like that's big time season for a rookie for like any that. receiver, rookie historic, or not. Historic rookie season. Either yeah. way, for either of these guys to win the award, it's probably going to have to be something close to a historic season, right? Yeah. Justin Herbert, especially because he has to unseat not just Patrick Mahomes, but also Josh Allen, Josh Allen, also yeah. Joe Burrow, also Aaron Rodgers, Jalen Hurts. Ever heard of him? That dude's playing on a freaking juggernaut of a team. Too. Yeah, so like, stacked. Yeah, still though. Justin Herbert to me, undoubtedly a top five quarterback. You know, I yeah, think after sure. that you get, you know, gets a little fuzzier to me. He's at lowest four, but that's just, you know, my opinion on it. I agree that, with you. That honestly. puts him very, very close to the best quarterback in the league, which makes you very, very close to the most prestigious honor besides the Super Bowl trophy, which is an MVP award. I mean, that that's is right. to me, he's the closest. But I do want to get to a quick one here from Guidebook Beats, who asks, How many yards will Quentin Johnston have his first game played? This is kind of a double sided question because you don't know how much he's going to play. You don't know how many targets he's going to get. You don't know if he'll have one wide receiver three at this point in training camp. What's your final line prediction doing this? Obviously way too early. Yeah, obviously extremely early. But honestly, I think they're going to try to get him involved a little bit. I think they want to get his feet wet. I don't think they want to get him the ball early. I'm not going to say it's going to be a huge performance, but I'm going to go with four catches for 64 yards in his first game. I think he's going to do a lot of those yards after catch magic that he brings to the table. Uh, but I think that's what the stat line is going to look like for me. That's wild Cause we didn't talk about it. And I had four catches for 68 yards. So <laughs> I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to change mine and say two catches for 36 yards. How about that? Just that, to be I mean, different. Well, like, the thing is, is, like, I don't want to set crazy expectations on that kid. I mean, you do that, you're already talking about the dude putting up a borderline 1,000-yard season, right? If you're pacing out 68, 68, you know, 64 yards over 17 I just don't see it. I don't see it as out of the question. I just feel like that's a very legitimate stat line. But we're predicting it, right? Like, that's the thing. And obviously, I predicted pretty much the same thing as you. But I think the important thing to remember is, like, Mike Williams had 10 catches his rookie season. You're right. Zero touchdowns. So, like. And didn't even average 10 yards a catch. And we all know now how much of a big play receiver he is. So, like, I think it's different. I I think you can see already that Quentin Johnson has some things that he's bringing to this table. Yeah, he's a dude. Not only the Chargers don't have, but just not a lot of dudes that size move like that. 
and carry that kind of explosiveness with him. Like the dude, exactly. Like it, you don't know until you see them on a field with an NFL player. Once you see, oh shoot, he still right. looks way more athletic than everyone, and he's on a field full of NFL players. That now when he looks like he belongs. Start to look different. Yeah. But yeah. we do have more great questions to get into, including Dalvin Cook. Anyone? Another running back for this a little bit uncertain running back room. We're going to talk about that. And also, if we would consider trading Jalen Guyton if it meant the Chargers kept one special undrafted free agent. We're going to get into that coming up right after this. All right. Well, thank you guys to everyone who contributed to this fan mail show, this Chargers mailbag show. And we can't wait to go back to back because we will be back tomorrow since we had to push today's episode back. You guys get back to back shows this week. So that's the, you know, silver linings right there that you get. So tomorrow we will be back with you guys with a couple more great questions, including has the Chargers culture really changed under Brandon Staley? And also, who will be the best cornerback for this team? Because, David, I can tell you, I think you can make a case for each of Asade yeah. Samuel Jr., Michael Davis, and even J.C. Jackson. That's with a the tough way question. He's looking yeah. right now. So make sure you guys are back here tomorrow for that because Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But let's get back to these questions that we have because we got a lot of good ones. And we have a two-parter here from arrogant i'm not allowed to say the other name on this show so we'll just say arrogant who asks here's a question well too are we good at the with the running back room that we have or do we need to add someone like dalvin cook i know that we all want spiller to have a breakout year but do you guys think he will talked a lot about spiller and you know his opportunities this year let's focus on the dalvin cook part of it because kind of like deandre hopkins a little bit right you don't usually see guys who have this pedigree that are just floating around out there in free agency especially in june that just doesn't happen. You know, you don't no. see it a lot. Obviously, you know, Dalvin Cook is a heck of a player. Could he be regressing? Was he in the first year of a new offense? There's a lot of factors that go into it. But what do you think, David, about the Chargers room and potentially adding someone like him? Yeah, I mean, first of all, Dalvin Cook is a great player. Uh, I think that he is definitely one of the special players in this league, and he's done it over a long period of time. With that being said, special players want special amounts of money, and I don't think the yeah. Chargers have the amount of money that it would require to bring Dalvin Cook in. Also, I think you have to know what you have in Isaiah Spiller. I think you have to figure that out this year. So I don't feel like this is a situation to where you can introduce Dalvin Cook because he doesn't change the future narrative of this position. Austin Eckler is a free agent at the end of the year. Josh Kelly, same thing. Isaiah Spiller, you need to know what you have in him because he could be the future of your position. And if he's not, then you need to start figuring out who could be the answer to that question. But with the salary cap issues that the Chargers are going to run into next year, they kind of really need Isaiah Spiller to be that guy because they don't really have the space to be able to make any other type of moves like that. I think that you're right as far as the Chargers probably aren't going to have the money to do it because when you have someone like this, as much as everyone says they want to go to a good situation, I mean, for someone like him about to get really a second contract, like he doesn't have that luxury. He's going to take yeah. as much money as he can get, right? And the Chargers, if you're in a bidding war, you're not going to do that. If you can add down, so there's a couple of things. So like the advanced stats tell you that Dalvin Cook is regressing and there could be many different reasons behind it. He has had multiple surgeries. We've seen other running backs fall off a cliff. Yeah. Even younger than he is, right? But between sure. him and Ezekiel Elliott, who's still only 27 years old, yeah. it's a tricky position. And you don't want to yeah. buy in, you know, on something that is going to break down. You don't want to buy a car, right, after you know, hey, it's going to blow a head gasket. And right, like, of course. Of course. But, like, 
at the same time, everything has a price, right? If you're sure, telling me course. that Dalvin Cook's going to come in on the veterans minimum, of course. You know, like you do not let Isaiah Spillworth stop you from going and getting Dalvin Cook if that's if, if money. Of course, not and an closer issue. the closer and closer we get to the season, the cheaper and cheaper and cheaper that contract is going to become. Sure, and like I get the people saying you regress, but like I'm pretty sure he had two seventy plus yard touchdowns last year, and like there's only, you know a very, very small handful of guys that can take something to the house like that, right? I mean, so Austin like, Eckler did it once. You can't, yeah, you can't, yeah. and that's not a, you know, a very likely occurrence with, you know, not a reoccurring occurrence, at least, no. you know, with Austin Eckler. That's not really his game. He doesn't right. have that breakaway speed most of the right. time or have that kind of space more than likely, yeah. but yeah. either way. So, like, I think with Dalvin Cook, it's tough. Uh, you know, if Price wasn't an issue, I'd still will be willing to take a chance on him because sure. of how much we've talked about this. Like, this is the year. You know, like things are changing, getting much more difficult after this year. They can't give him a multi-year contract because they're sixty million over the cap. Exactly. Next year. So that's why it's not like a future thing. You're not. I mean, hey, if he takes four or five position. million, then yeah, fine. I mean, I'd say definitely give him the shot because I feel like he could make a difference in in that room for sure. But the other thing's probably playing time too, right? There's yeah, probably exactly. going to be a situation where they're going to give him more of a lion share of the load, even if it's not, you know, just being. And a, this is going to be a passing offense too. Let's of let's not forget about that. Well, and I mean, he can catch passes too, but sure. it's to do that 1100 yards. 4.4 yards per carry right in 10 total touchdowns so like he played well behind a bad offensive line at times behind a you know new offensive scheme who knows but i don't know if i would want to be the team to take the risk on it knowing what yeah. the price is going to be let's get to paul chiburi here who is asking would you consider trading jalen guyton if pokey wilson in charge undrafted free agent receiver continues to shine i just don't want to see us i just don't see us being able to stash him if he plays really well so Interesting question. I think it starts with Jalen Guyton's not going to have any trade value, right? Like, if he has done so good that he has somehow amassed trade value by the time the trade deadline rolls around, he's probably too indispensable for your team, right? Like, like yeah. as of right. So, obviously, if you're that far in the season, you'd already have to make the decision on Pokey Wilson. So, I think this is. Up. I think they're asking, are you can, would you trade him before the like the fifty three? Like, if you that's what out. I'm saying though. Is yeah. like at, at this point, if you're keeping Pokey Wilson around, you would have had to already make that decision on the fifty three man roster. Yeah. So I get that's not what they're saying, but at the same time, Jalen Guyton was sitting on the streets and no team signed him. You know, exactly. So like, yeah, we already know what the market is for him. Pokey Wilson, though, as far as him making the team, you know, if that's really the question here. It's hard because, like, Jalen Guyton brings 4-3 speed, you yeah. know. This is a dude who ran a 4-6. He has a 1.91 RAS score, which you guys know just hurts me down in my core. But at the yeah. same time, a good player is a good player, right? So it, yeah. it, it does make it tough. It makes it tough. And also considering the, you know, very rich history of undrafted free agents that the Chargers have, uh, you know, it's definitely a place where it could happen. And I think the Chargers have shown that if you're a baller and if you go out there and make plays, they will find a spot for you. So I, I think that is something you look at. But also I think just Jalen Guyton, like you said, he brings one particular skill set to the table that, you know, nobody outside of Darius Davis is going to bring you. But also it's just his combination of size and speed. So if Jalen Guyton comes back healthy and he ha retains that speed, that calling card, I find it very difficult for anyone to be able to unseat him and his roster spot. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what he looks like, right? We'll see what kind of training. Yeah. He health has, is going to be feels the, like the it's biggest his thing to lose. I mean, I, wide receiver feels like the, the hardest position to make this roster. Yeah, definitely. 
you know, I, I may be running, maybe quarterback, just because it's like you already <laughs> yeah. you spent a pick on Max Duggan, so you're sure. probably not going to put the chance out there that another team you know, swoops him up as their third quarterback, which they probably would. Um, yeah, man, I mean, it's tough. I, I think Pokey Wilson, obviously, from the very limited amount that we've seen, seems like he's going to be a very fun preseason player. Sure. And, like, if that dude has to be your practice squad stash and you get away with it, like, I think you like him more than potentially guys that you had to bring up in an emergency situation last year, like a Michael Bandy. Sure. Right? Let's like see him with the pads Moore. on before we make any other judgments. Though. Like a Jason Moore, like a John Hightower, right? Like, these are yeah. all dudes we were trying to rally around last sure. year when the Chargers were decimated. Like, maybe he can be an improvement on those guys, but hopefully, by God, we don't get to that chance. The Chargers have four receivers who are going to see a lion's share of the load anyways, even if Pokey Wilson makes the team. Unless injuries, you know, totally pile up, you're probably not going to see him out there anyways. But if he's a good player, obviously you hope that you can stash him. So let's get out of here on this. We have one more voicemail we want to get to just because it's so freaking nice. If you send us one that's nice, maybe you get on the show. Hey, Dan, David, Weston here from Minnesota. And I don't really have a question for you today, but I just kind of wanted to give you guys a thanks for uh, always putting in so much hard work and uh, making these shows. And they're always really awesome. And I've been listening for a little over a year now, and you guys have really helped me get my football knowledge up and my Chargers knowledge up, and I always have a blast and look forward to the daily episodes. And really hope you guys enjoy the time off. You guys have earned it for all your hard work. Enjoy those Tuesdays and Thursdays. And as the T.O. always says, uh, we love you guys, and just thanks from all of us for putting in the hard work. Bolt up. The other thing that's probably always going to get you on the show is quote a tear, because the next thing, you know, <laughs> besides a tear, getting his own voice on the show is, you know, saying, what a tear says, because he's one of our favorites. Weston, every day you're out there. You know, you are always contributing. We appreciate you so much, Thank even you, for the Weston. voicemails that don't get on. And I think the other part of the going down to three shows a week is like part of it's content driven, right? Like yeah. we don't want to be here just doing top five lists of everything. Right. You know, like it's what we hate the most. Like we, yeah. we want to make sure we're bringing you fresh content every day. Yes. It becomes a lot harder when the players aren't seen by anyone in a month, right? So right. Like, <laughs> I think the three days does help us. You know, really get the most out of every little, you know, get the most out of every show. Yeah, we're trying show to bring you really the best. Bring fresh content yeah. to every show. But thank you guys, everyone, again, thank who contributed you. to today's show. We have big guys we're talking about tomorrow. We have questions from Superfan Zach tomorrow about the cornerback spot and who could be number one. We got questions about Brandon Staley and if he's really changed the culture and much more. But to make sure you guys don't miss it, go and subscribe or follow for free on the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel. And Follow the show wherever you get your podcast from. You can find us as well as every day on all of our social media. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports and David Drugmeyer on Twitter at DroTalkSD as well as the show's page at LockedOnLAC. You can also find us on our Instagram at Locked LockedOnChargers and also on our Locked On Chargers Facebook page. Thank you to everyone who checked us out again and especially those who called in the voicemail line. For those who missed it, the number again is 323-524-7924. If you make a 30-second voicemail, it's likely to get on the show. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.